Today on Hardwired. I'm narrow-minded because Jesus said it was a narrow way. And so I'm narrow-minded when it comes to this. There is only one way to salvation, and it's Christ. I'm narrow-minded when it comes to this. This is the God-breathed Word. I'm narrow-minded when it comes to there is no other way to salvation but through Him. I'm narrow-minded when it comes to if you don't repent and come to Him, you're lost. I'm narrow-minded in some things because Jesus gave us a narrow way. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're going to talk about today what every Christian should have his mind on and his faith towards, and that is fighting for the faith. This is something that Jude commanded us to do, and this is what the book of Jude is all about. So what does it mean to fight for the faith? Well, the faith, the original faith, the New Testament faith is under attack. It was under attack in Jude's day, and it is under fierce attack now. So as we listen to the Word of God today, we're going to see how we fight for the faith, what it means to fight for the faith. And my prayer is that people all over the country will stand up and begin to fight for the original faith once delivered to the saints, and let's see God move again in our nation. I can't wait to share part two of the message, Fighting for the Faith. So important. Let's jump right in. When he opens up with beloved, that's the Greek word agape toy. And I love this because it means beloved ones. That is divinely loved ones. Divinely loved ones. God loves you. Now, we're getting now the feeling that when Jude began to be moved on to write this letter, there was an urgency. There was an urgency. That's what Spude is telling us. Jude is saying that he felt a strong urgency to write this letter, a pressing to get it done and get it sent. Now, the word common, where he says up in the verse, to write to you concerning our common salvation, the word common is koinos, and it means to become a sharer, a partner. The idea is of a common salvation, possessed in common with others. Guess what, everybody? The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people everywhere. It is not for just a few. It's for all people everywhere. So he calls it the common salvation, which means the salvation for everyone. That's why it needs to be preached all over the world to every race, color, and creed. It's the salvation of Jesus Christ for everybody. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit was moving on Jude with an urgency. And I tell you, when I read the letter... I feel this urgency. You can, it just kind of comes out and grabs you by the throat. Jude is speaking out of, out of being pressed by the Holy Spirit. And he says, the phrase, I found it necessary, 
is in the aorist tense. Now here's what that means. In the Greek language, it's called the aorist tense, and here's what it means. It's very simple. It means that the letter had to be written at once and could not be prepared for at Jude's leisure. Necessity was laid upon him. Aorist means something happened in the past. It happened and was done. Here's what he's saying. I had an urgency on me by the Holy Spirit that was so pressing that I realized this was not up to me waiting till I felt like it. It was not to be at my leisure, but God was putting an urgency on me to get it done and over with. Once for all, meaning no other faith will be given. There isn't any other faith, not that gets you to heaven, not that saves your soul, because there's no other religious leader who died for your sins. Muhammad never did. Buddha never did. Only Jesus said, I came to die. I came to die for your sins. I came to die in your place. I came to rise from the dead so that you can be raised from the dead. There is no other human being in history who said what he said, made the claims that he made. He was either truly a true psychotic lunatic, deluded pitifully, or he was the son of God. Jude said, answer it. Fight for it. Hebrews 9.28 says, can we read it together? So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Amen. Now, if you wanted to take the book of Hebrews and you want to just boil it down to and sum it up with just three words, the book of Hebrews will be summed up once for all. The whole theme of Hebrews is once for all. He's the better way, the better sacrifice, the better answer, the better truth. He's better, 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 better. One word that sums up Hebrews is better, but a phrase, the one phrase that sums it up is once for all. It doesn't need to happen again. God, who at sundry times through the prophets and others spoke to us, has now spoken to us through his son, period. There's not ever going to be another one. Not another sacrifice. There's nothing you can do to make it better. Nothing you can do to add to it. There's nothing you need to add to it. It is finished. He covered our sins. It's done. It's once for all. Delivered means to deliver to someone something to keep, to use, to take care of, or to manage. Jude is saying that God gave the Christian doctrines to the saints as a deposit of truth to be guarded. If we don't guard the truth and hang on to the truth and hold up the truth before this world, who will? It won't come by the manifestation of angels because God chose the church to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. So God has given us, the church, these truths. And they are not to be watered down, not diluted, not polluted, none of that. We hold up the absolute truth of the gospel. Once for all, Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. Now let's read the expanded translation of verse 3. Let's read it together, can we? Divinely loved ones, when giving all diligence to be writing to you concerning the salvation possessed in common by all of us, I had constraint laid upon me to write to you 
beseeching you to contend with intensity and determination once for all entrusted into the safekeeping of these saints. Wow. And you know, you look at that early church. They fought to the death for the truth. They fought to the death. And I want you to notice, those of you who went through 1 John with me, we talked over and over again about why he wrote it, why he wrote it, because of the agnostic teaching, the agnostic um, teaching, or, or the, yeah, the, not the agnostic, what am I thinking? Gnostic. Somebody said to me today, I'm an agnostic, and that's in my head. I said, you are? Really? Yeah, I think I'm an agnostic. You know what that means? It means no knowledge. They said, well, maybe I'm really not a full-blown agnostic. <laughs> anyway. The Gnostic teaching. And notice that John wrote his letter because of false teaching. Now, why is Jude writing this? False teachers. There was an invasion of false teaching. And nothing has changed. And they allowed themselves to be martyred to fight earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. Okay? I predict to you that the real church is going to have to grow a spine of steel in the days to come here in good old America. So what was it that was so upsetting to Jude? Here we go, verse four, can we read it together? For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I read that and I just picture Roche is creeping into her room. He says, they creep in. Crept in is from a Greek word meaning to enter alongside. Literally, to get in by the side, to slip in a side door. That's how he's saying these false teachers got in the church. It's like they slipped in through the side door, stealth-like. This is how false teachers get into a church. You know how they do it? They enter the pulpits by dishonesty and stealth. They pretend to be orthodox or sound in their beliefs, but actually they're not, and they know they're not. But they say all the right things, using evangelical terms such as salvation, faith, atonement, resurrection, born again. But they place their own private meanings on them, which are not scriptural. Will you notice with me how these apostles, and Jude didn't call himself one, but he's in the Bible, Jude, John, Peter, Paul, how angry they got at any twisting of the pure truth of God. I mean, they just got ticked. Righteous anger filled them. And we're about to feel it because Jude is rough on these guys. We would call them creepy teachers or teachers that creep. Even a rattlesnake will give you a warning before it strikes, but not false teachers. They appear as angels of light. Oh, they'll say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, bless God. Did Jesus come in the flesh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure he did. Because remember, that test was only for people who believed in Gnosticism. If you were a Gnostic, you'd say, no, he didn't come in the flesh. But there's a bunch of other kinds of false teachers who will say, sure, he came in the flesh. And they'll say all the right things, but as you listen, you begin to say, wait a minute, something's wrong here. I'm not hearing the word that I've read. I'm not hearing the Christian truths I was raised on. I'm hearing a little twist and a little pull and a little change and a little skewing of the truth. I had to use the Message Bible's 
translation of 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, when he talks about angels of light. <laughs> Let's just read this together. This is Paul talking about false teachers. They're a sorry bunch. I just wanted that to go on tape. <laughs> that just sounds like Texas talk. So let's just try it again. They're a sorry bunch. Doesn't that just ring true? Pseudo, let's read it. Pseudo apostles, lying preachers, crooked workers, posing as Christ's agents, but sham to the core. And no wonder, Satan does it all the time, dressing up as a beautiful angel of light. So it shouldn't surprise us when his servants masquerade as servants of God, but they're not getting by with anything. They'll pay for it in the end. I, I'll tell you what, I just, I'm gonna make a, just a recording of, they're a sorry bunch. And every once in a while, I'll just put it in there on the radio show. It, it just, I like it. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Look what he says. They were marked out for this condemnation. They were marked out for this condemnation, the false teacher were marked out. Now, when I read that, it's careful. You gotta be careful that you don't assume that he's saying that God made them that way because God didn't. Marked out means to write beforehand. It is not saying that God made them this way. Rather, Jude is referring to a prophecy from Enoch found in verse 14. So I wanna read that prophecy from Enoch because it's the only thing I know from Enoch in the Bible. Enoch. So let's read it. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam. This is in verse 14 of Jude. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way. Now watch this now. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him being Jesus. Do you know that when people say something harsh against Jesus, Enoch prophesied that's going to come under judgment. So these comedians that go on national television and they make fun of Jesus. I'll tell you, anytime you've ever, if you've ever made fun of Jesus, I mean, repent. And those of you listening by radio, if you've ever made fun of Jesus, repent. Because he said right there, the Lord's coming with 10,000s of his saints. Why? For what reason? He's going to execute judgment on all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Jesus. It's a dangerous thing to speak against Jesus. Dangerous. It's just so dangerous. 
Those words fly out of your mouth. It's like sending an email. Once you push send, you can't get it back. Now he says that they were marked for this condemnation. The word condemnation is krima, meaning judgment of what is wrong. As in the decision that one passes on the faults of others. Enoch wrote beforehand prophesying that false teachers would enter the midst of God's people and attempt to destroy sound doctrine or teaching, creeping in unaware, specialists at masquerading as being one thing when in fact they are something totally different. Now, I'm so glad that none of that's going on in our day and that it all went away back then. Y'all better smile at me. Don't amen me. When he talks about ungodly people, he means destitute, of reverential awe toward God. They have no fear of God, not any. Turning means to transpose two things. When he said turning the grace of God into lewdness, turning means to transpose two things, switching out one thing for another, switching one thing for another, okay? That's what they do. They switch grace for lewdness. Now let's talk about lewdness. What in the world is lewdness? If you've got a King James Bible, you're going to see a long word called lasciviousness. That's almost as bad as concupiscence. <laughs> All right? But here it is. When he says that they switch out, they ch exchange the grace of God for lewdness, then what are these people doing? These false teachers. It means he who acknowledges no restraints, who follows whatever his wanton lusts may suggest. You know who these people, you know what they teach? I do my thing, you do your thing. Do whatever feels right. Just, just fly. Just follow your own emotions, your own impulses. Don't submit yourself to the word or the authority of God. Do whatever you want to do. Anybody who does that is a fool because you're going to shipwreck in no time. But that's what somebody lewd or lascivious, that's how they live. They don't live with any authority over their life. Ever know anybody like that? You ever been that way? B.C., before Christ, sure. To, to a great level, we were all rebels. We were all anarchists. We were not submitted to God. It's the spirit which refuses to acknowledge the authority of God's word and instead sits in judgment on the word. God didn't give us this word for us to judge it. He gave us the word for it to judge us. And if you let it judge you, you will live clean and successful and holy. But if you start judging it, picking it apart, question, saying, well, I don't know if God really said that and taking out this and taking out that. And you say, well, you know, I'm just going to go whatever feels right to me. The Bible has a warning. There is a way. There is a way. There are options that look right to a man, but the end thereof, the end of it is the ways, the pathways, the road, the highway to death. The Bible is very clear. If you follow your own impulses, you will perish because we've got fallen natures. We're living in a tent of flesh. And it's always going to gravitate towards dirt. Amen. Now he says, denying, here's what they do. Denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the word deny means there to disown. It's used of the followers of Jesus Christ, who for fear of death or persecution, deny that Jesus is their master and desert his cause. It also applies to those who by cherishing hostile opinions of Christ, or walk in immorality, are judged to have apostatized from God and from Christ. That's what it means to deny. 
You can say, well, I know him, but if you're out there living in a way that is totally contrary to him, then the Bible calls that apostasy. And I believe that a great big chunk of the church, and I'm talking about the mainstream, institutionalized, denominational church, a big slice of that pie has apostatized. They've walked away from the truth. They've walked away from the authority of God's word. See, the minute you say, well, you know, it was fun for a while, but bye. And you start walking your own way. It's not going to be long. We're going to hear about it. You will self-destruct. And when a whole denomination says, we're not going to follow that anymore, we're going to go against it. We've become illuminated. We're modern. We're not archaic and um, petrified and and narrow like that. We're broad-minded. You know, I'm narrow-minded. I'm narrow-minded because Jesus said it was a narrow way. And so I'm narrow-minded when it comes to this. There is only one way to salvation, and it's Christ. I'm narrow-minded when it comes to this. This is the God-breathed word. I'm narrow-minded when it comes to there is no other way to salvation but through him. I'm narrow-minded when it comes to if you don't repent and come to him, you're lost. I'm narrow-minded in some things because Jesus gave us a narrow way. So here they go. They say, we don't need it. Now we're about done. And what do they do? They deny the Lord. Jews said they deny the Lord. Now, this was interesting to me. Usually in the New Testament, the Greek word used for Lord is kurios, kurios, kind of like curious. It's K-U-R-I-O-S, kurios. But here he uses despotes, despotes. And when he said they deny the Lord, despotes speaks of one who is an absolute owner and has uncontrolled power over someone else. The word despotes is always used of God the Father in the New Testament. Here's what Jude is saying. These false teachers disown the authority and ownership of Almighty God over all things, including themselves. They deny the sovereignty and the ownership of God. Can I tell you about God? He owns those chairs. He owns you. He owns your car. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All he's got to do is kindly blink and you lose everything. Uh, I mean, he holds all things by the power of his word, according to Colossians. Everything is literally all the molecular atomic structures of all material things are held together by the power of his word. If he went boo, whoosh, it'd be gone. So he's the owner of the universe. And he says, these people say, I deny him. And it's just so stupid and foolish because all he's got to do is say, really, blink, and you're gone. You're gone. Your heart stops because he gave you that next heartbeat. He gave it to you. It's all, David said, my times are in your hand. You know exactly when I'm going to breathe my last. Before I was born, you saw me dying. He was at the end before the beginning began. God knows all things. So to say, I deny his sovereign control and ownership. I don't want to have a thing to do with the whole concept of God. God says, there you have an apostate. And that's the false teachers. And let's do the, let's stand up and do the expanded translation and we're done. How many of you are getting anything out of this tonight? All right. Now, next week, next week, wait till you see the way he describes these people. He's going to talk about the fallen angels and tell us things you've probably not heard. 
We're going to talk about fallen angels during Noah's day. We're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and what happened there. We're going to talk about uh, the children of Israel and why God wiped them out. It's powerful stuff here in Jude. So let's read the expanded translation. Ready? For certain men entered surreptitiously who were of old predicted with reference to this judgment, men destitute of reverential awe towards God, putting anarchy in the place of the grace of God and denying the only absolute master and our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.